0: There is anyone here this morning <clears throat> that does not have a copy of this morning's liturgy? Would you raise your hand? The ushers will provide you with one. <clears throat> Over there, some more. Now this morning. We're here for a very solemn, sober, but at the same time, very joyous occasion. Solemn and sober because the eternal implications of what we're doing today, but really joyous because we can celebrate God's love for His people. And in that love for His people, He provides shepherds dedicated. Loyal men who love God and his people. And certainly in these three men today, that's what we have. We can celebrate God's goodness this morning. Now, what I'm going to be saying in the next few moments, probably almost all of you here this morning could say it. Maybe even better than I. But since I'm here and you're there, I get to say it. And I trust with courtesy you will listen. <laughs> By way of introduction this morning, it's important that we understand the church over which these men will become shepherds. There are five figures used in the Bible to help us understand the church. The first one to notice is the word itself. Now, in the Battle of Hastings, 1066 AD, when the Normans invaded England, and today English is a sub-German language as a result, the German word is Kirche, but from that we get the English word church. But the word itself, ecclesia, escapes us as we just hear the word church. The etymology of Ecclesia is the called out ones, but the history of it has much more to it than that. The origin of that term is in the Greek city-states, probably the most perfect democracies that ever existed upon the earth. And when it was time to make a decision for the city, there was not a town council that made the decision. But all the citizens were called together in a gathering, and they made the decision. And the way that assembly took place was a crier was sent through the streets to call the citizens out of the general population into this meeting. In every town there were traveling merchants and others, but the citizens were called into that meeting. Not just called out, but called to something. It's interesting that twice in his writings, Paul said that we have a citizenship in heaven. We are citizens of another kingdom. We're aliens here in a way. We're citizens of a heavenly kingdom. And we're the ones, the church, are those whom God has called out of the general population because we're citizens. And we gather. The word ecclesia is used sometimes for the church as a whole. Ecclesia in plural for separate congregations. This morning we have a citizenship in another realm than that which we see on television. We are citizens of the kingdom of God. The bride of Christ. The last four chapters of the book of Revelation in one Form and one style after another has that theme. The church is the bride of Christ. Let me tell you a story that some of you have heard before. Some years ago, I was in New England. I've been asked to come and try to resolve some very serious leadership issues in the church. It was a very difficult thing. Men's pride were involved. In one case, sin was involved. And unknown to me, there was a man in the church who was gathering together a group of people who planned on Sunday morning to actually take over the service. What do I do? I was desperate. And as I knelt before God, crying out for guidance and wisdom, One of the few times in my life I had a vision, it was the Bride of Christ. The thing that caught my attention was the glowing, gleaming, white, bridal gown. I can't even remember a face if there were one, but the gown. And then I began to see forearms and hands, and they began to touch the beautiful garment, and leave their fingerprints, and in time grab it and begin to tear it, and finally begin to grab the bride and try to tear her apart. God said to me, this is what men do when they love their ministry more than they love my bride. I tell you, my brother and my sister, from that day forward, any time I touch the bride of Christ, in any way, I do so in fear and trembling. The church is called the temple of the Holy Spirit. In the Greek language, there is a word for temple, hieron, that refers to the building itself, perhaps the environs around it. But inside that temple, the Jewish temple, there was a very special room, the Holy of Holies, the Sanctum Sanctorum. And in that room was the Ark of the Covenant, above which were the cherubim, their weems not quite touching. The Holy Shekinah glory of God was there. No one could go in that room except once a year. The high priest could go in with the atonement blood and sprinkle it before the ark. Now tradition says that they would tie a rope around his ankle that in case he was so overcome by the presence of God he would drop dead and nobody would dare go in to get him so they would drag him out. Now that's not scripture but that is tradition. Did you know that that word, the Greek word is naos to describe that room? And most of our versions say temple of the Holy Spirit. It's hard to find an English term for that with just one word. Some today are saying sanctuary, I notice, and that's probably more appropriate because it's not the temple. It is that holy room wherein dwells God himself. And we who are believers, that's what we are. 1 Corinthians 6.19, our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit. The worldwide church in Ephesians 2 and 3, where Paul talks to the Gentiles, said, you were far off without hope, but now you've been brought near. You've been joined to the Jews and joined in that hope. And you are the worldwide church, the temple of the Holy Spirit. But to the local church as well. 1 Corinthians 3.16 Concerning the local church, Paul wrote, You're the body of Christ, and there's some people disruptive in that church. Anybody destroys the an naos of God, God'll get him. Don't ever start a division in church <laughs> unless God says do it. The body of Christ. Romans twelve, rather, first Corinthians twelve, twenty-seven, and following describes the church as the body of Christ, and finally concludes that passage by saying, you are the body of Christ. Saul of Tarsus was a man who hated the church. He hated Christians. He saw them as blasphemous and pulling people away from the law of Moses. And so you recall he hailed them and dragged them out of their houses, and Christians fled Jerusalem. Later he said any time a decision was being made. What to do about them. I always voted for the death penalty. He received a warrant from the high priest to go to Damascus. They heard there were some Christians there among the Jews to arrest them. And bring them back to Jerusalem. Where they could be tried. He and a band of probably temple guards, we don't know for sure, traveled with him to Damascus. And just before he got to the city, a tremendous sense-shattering light fell upon him. Those that were with him fell back. He fell to the ground. He saw no one. And then a voice said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He said, Who are you, Lord? He said, I am Jesus, whom you persecute. Think of this. Saul of Tarsus, as far as we know, had never seen Jesus. He had never put a lash to his back. He had never thrown him in jail. He had never tortured him. What Jesus was saying is this, The church is my body. Any time you persecute the church you are persecuting me." And then the flock of God. Acts chapter 20, Paul and his companions were sailing past the western shore of the Roman province of Asia heading toward Jerusalem. Miletus was a terminal and so their ship stopped there And they had to wait then for another ship to come that would be sailing to Jerusalem. And even after that ship arrived, they had to wait for the winds to be right. Now, they were about 20, maybe a little more, miles away from Ephesus. And Paul wanted to encourage the elders of Ephesus. But if he made the trip to Ephesus, he might miss the ship. And so he sent a messenger to Ephesus to have the elders come to him. Acts 20 verse 17. So the elders of Ephesus came to meet with Paul. He spoke of the ministry he had done among them. And then he gave this exhortation among many in this passage. Guard, be on guard for yourselves. And the flock of God... Over which he has made you overseers. Shepherd the church of God, which he purchased in his own blood. Not the blood of bulls and goats, not the blood of martyrs, but with his own blood, he purchased this flock. Whenever we're having presidential elections, I found myself humorously wanting to say, why would anyone ever want to be President of the United States? Perhaps they're insane, maybe, <laughs> uh, height of ambition beyond what any man ever had, or called of God. I can't imagine why any sane, normal person would want that responsibility. But let me tell you something the responsibility elders bear is greater than the President of the United States. Jesus did not purchase the United States of America with his blood, but he did, his flock. That sober stewardship is that to which these men today are being set aside. This morning, we're going to be ordaining three wonderful brothers, men who have shown themselves for years to be loyal, to have a servant's heart, and to the degree any human can do so, grasp the weight of what they're doing. I want to ask the elders now to come and stand behind me, if you will. I'll ask John and Steve and James, if you will come and take a position over here behind these chairs. And some of you who are on this side may want to move in this direction so you are not have any obstructions to fully view what's going to be taking place this morning. So you might take out the copies of the liturgy as
1: we proceed. Brother Bill. The first part is the congregational affirmation. It is a trustworthy statement. If any man desires to be an overseer, it is a fine work he desires to do. An overseer then must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, temperate, prudent, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not addicted to wine or pugnacious, but gentle, uncontentious, free from the love of money. He must be one who manages his own household well, keeping his children under control with all dignity. But if a man does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of the church of God? And not a new convert, lest he become conceited and fall into the condemnation incurred by the devil. He must have a good reputation with those outside the church so that he may not fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. 1 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 7.
2: Titus 1, 5 through 9. For this reason I left you in Crete, that you might set in order what remains and appoint elders in every city as I directed you. Namely, if any man be above reproach, the husband of one wife, having children who believe, not accused of dissipation or rebellion... For the overseer must be above reproach as God's steward, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not addicted to wine, not pugnacious, not fond of sordid gain, but hospitable, loving what is good, sensible, just, devout, self-controlled, holding fast the faithful word which is in accordance with the teaching that he may be able both to exhort in sound doctrine and to refute those who contradict.
3: We know it's not possible for everybody, but for those who are able to stand during the congregational response time, we'd ask that you do so. To the degree that you know John Faylor, do you consider him to be qualified to bear the responsibility of Elder? We yeah. do. To the degree that you know Steve Staub, do you consider him to be qualified to bear the responsibility of Elder? Yeah. To the degree that you know James Thorpe, do you consider him to be qualified? to bear the responsibility of elder does anyone present this morning have a reason to object to the confirmation of these brothers if so please make that known now since there are no objections to the ordination of these brothers we proceed with the service of confirmation
4: To the Ephesian elders, Paul said, Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood, Acts 2.28. Hebrews 13.17 states, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. Do you, the members of Tulsa Christian Fellowship, who have consented to the ordination of these brothers to the work of shepherding the flock, grant to them the necessary authority that Scripture attaches to the role of elder?
5: 1 Timothy 5:19 through 21. Do not receive an accusation against an elder except on the basis of two or three witnesses. Those who continue in sin rebuke in the presence of all, so that the rest also may be fearful of sinning. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and of his chosen angels to maintain these principles without bias, doing nothing in a spirit of partiality. Do you members of Tulsa Christian Fellowship refuse to participate in slanderous talk about any of these elders? And should any wrongdoing on the part of any of these elders ever occur, will you follow the procedures outlined above?
0: Read now the Scriptural Charge to the Elders, John 10, 11 and following. I am the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hireling and not a shepherd, who is not owner of the sheep, beholds the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hireling and is not concerned about the sheep. Again, we repeat this passage from Acts 20. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from your own selves men will arise, speaking perverse things to draw disciples after them. Therefore be on alert. 1 Peter 5. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's sufferings and one who will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care. Serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you're willing, as God wants you to be. Not greedy for money, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade. My brother Steve. Have you prayerfully considered the responsibilities and obligations of eldership? I have. My brother Steve, do you believe that God has called you to that role in his church? I do. My brother Steve, in obedience to that call, with a just appreciation of the responsibilities involved, do you accept the role and ministry of elder? I do. And my brother Steve, will you seek to do the things that make for peace, purity, and spiritual growth of the congregation? Will you lay down your life for the sheep? Will you be stand, being willing to stand against wolves that would ravage the flock? Amen. Brother John, I ask you the same. Have you prayerfully considered the responsibilities and obligations of elder? Brother John, do you believe that God has called you to that role in this church? Brother John, in obedience to that call and a just appreciation of the responsibilities involved, you accept the role in ministry of Elder. And my dear brother, will you seek to do the things that make for peace, purity, and spiritual growth of the congregation? Will you lay down your life for the sheep? Will you be willing to stand against wolves that would ravage the flock? Dear Brother James, I ask you the same questions. My Brother James, have you prayerfully considered the responsibilities and obligations of eldership? My Brother, do you believe that God has called you to this role in his church? My Brother, in obedience to that call, and with a just appreciation of the responsibilities involved, do you accept the role and ministry of elders? My dear brother, will you seek to do the things that make for peace, purity, spiritual growth of the congregation? Will you lay down your life for the sheep? Will you be willing to stand against wolves that might ravage the flock? I will. Amen. We ask each of you brothers then to kneel at these chairs. Yesterday... We had our all-day prayer on site. Following the Mason's time, Dave came to me and said, I'm so thankful for the elders that we have had, how over the years they have protected the flock against various strange things that tried to take over. And then he said as we were praying in the prayer room, 1 Timothy 4 kept coming to mind, As Paul said, don't neglect the gift that is in you, which you receive through prophecy and the laying on of hands. And today, only God knows exactly what he plans to do. But we should not be surprised if as the time goes by, these men discover in them a gift they never had before, that they receive today as they are ordained as elders of this church. My brothers... Let us first pray for Steve.
3: Lord, we thank you for our brother Steve and the servant heart that he has reflected over so many years in this church. We pray, Lord, as he expands the role of his service here that you would give him a special anointing, a special ability, Lord, a special strength to be your servant here in this body. And Lord, I also want to thank you for the gift of mercy that you have given Steve and the warmth of his heart. We pray that that will be felt by all in this congregation and that you would use our brother, Lord, to express your mercy to the body here at TCF.
5: Lord, we just ask you to cover and protect our brother, to watch over him in this new role, that you would set your angels round about him, round about his family. Lord, that you would give him great wisdom and grace as he executes these responsibilities, as things come up, as he is faced with uh, new challenges. Uh, We just thank you. Uh, We ask you, Lord, for you to give him the grace to look forward to this, the movement of God upon his life and fulfilling the call of God that you've given him in Jesus' name.
1: Father, I ask as Steve begins now to bear the weight of responsibility of being a shepherd of this flock here at TCF, that you would help him, Father, to realize that you are the burden bearer. Pray, Heavenly Father, that your Holy Spirit would give him grace, Lord, and realize that this is not something he bears in his own strength, but it's something he bears with the Holy Spirit working inside him, Father God. May he draw greatly from your strength in these coming days, weeks, months, and years as he serves your people here at TCF. So, Father, we thank you
0: indeed that in your love for this church, You have called forth another shepherd. We commend him to you with joy in our hearts. Amen. Amen. Now, my brothers, let's pray for John.
4: Heavenly Father, we pray for our brother John. Lord, that you would... Give our brother strength when he is weak, that you would make aware of your presence through your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the giftings you have given this brother. And we do pray, Lord, you further develop the things you have said to him years ago. We ask this in Jesus' name.
2: Lord, in John, we see a love for your word. We pray that that would ever increase, Lord. We pray for teaching and preaching gifts to um, continue to grow in our brother. Thank you for how he models love for family, for for his children. We pray that he would love the flock of God in the same way that there would be just a a rich stream of your love for every member of TCF flowing through his heart forever. We know we're nothing without your anointing and empowerment, so we ask for that for John, the empowerment of your Holy Spirit. Bring an incredible boldness to our brother, an incredible ability to hear your voice and to be obedient. We thank you for John, in Jesus' name.
1: Heavenly Father, we thank you that you sovereignly brought John and his family here to TCF. Father, we thank you for the timing of that, that it was in a season, Lord, when we needed his gifts and the gifts of his family, Father. Thank you for the way he's already served this church. Thank you for his leadership and basic, Father. We pray that uh, as he continues to grow in you, Lord, that those gifts would only grow stronger and that your Holy Spirit would fully equip our brother. He would know your equipping, Father, as he knows your presence day to day in his life. Thank you, Father God.
3: Lord, we thank you for the wisdom that you have given John as a young man and that you would give him discernment and guidance for this congregation in years to come that we would be able to trust and rely upon your work through him, Lord. Thank you for the gift of encouragement and exhortation that you have given, John. We pray that that would blossom in coming months. In Jesus' name.
0: So, Lord, again, we say thank you for loving this church enough to give us John Phelan. Oh, God, we now commend him to you as an elder, a shepherd of this body. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, brothers, let us pray for James.
1: Heavenly Father, thank you that you saw fit to bring James and his family to TCF. Thank you, Father, for the giftings that we've already witnessed in so many different ways, Lord, and the ways you have used him to serve in this fellowship. Heavenly Father, we thank you that uh, you've equipped James with a gift to teach. You've equipped him with a gift to communicate. Father, we thank you more than anything for the character we see in this man. We thank you for the character that's exhibited in the way he speaks and the way he handles himself, the way he uh, loves his family, Lord. Lord, we know that being an elder is more about character than gifting. So we're thankful that we get both in this package called James Thorpe, Father. We pray, Heavenly Father, that he would indeed develop the giftings you've given him. And Lord, that it would be to your glory. It would be for the advancement of your kingdom, Father, here. Through TCF, Lord God, that you would use our brother. Pray that you deepen his love for his family and for this flock, Father God, and that he would have a strong sense that he is indeed a tool in your hands that you choose to use in this fellowship, Father God. Thank you, Lord.
3: Lord, we pray for James as he teaches this congregation and that he would stand true to the word of God, even if it comes at a cost. Help him, Lord, to discern your truth and to be able to stand on that truth. Lord, thank you for the gift of leadership that this brother brings, and we pray that he would receive your strength and your diligence, Lord, in exercising that gift. In Jesus' name.
2: Thank you, Lord, for James' irrepressible joy. And I pray that that would be infectious among us, Lord. Joy of the Lord is our strength. Thank you for that. Thank you also for his heart for evangelism. We pray that you would exploit that through and in our brother. And uh, we, we just thank you for his entire family. And we ask for your protection over them. Christ's name.
0: Father, again, we rejoice now as we commend to you this new elder, James Thorpe. God, we thank you that you have loved our church enough to give this man to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Right, I present to you three new elders. Ask now, the congregation be seated, but the uh, James's wife and children stand, John's wife and children stand, Steve's family stand, and then I would ask each of these elders to go, new elders, to go join your families. <clears throat> and I ask the congregation now if you would gather around these families as we pray for them. Father God, even though we yearn to do so, we realize we cannot fully grasp the significance of what has happened this morning, but we acknowledge that experience has shown us certain things. Satan will seek to destroy the shepherd that he might scatter the sheep. We know he will do everything he can to distract them from the role that they now have. And we know one way he sometimes does that is by attacking the family. Lord, first we pray you would give wisdom to these men that they would know how to recognize when Satan is seeking to bring forth some ploy, to bring harm or damage to his family. But Father, we ask even for you to assign powerful angels over each home, that whatever forces of evil seek to come against them might be turned back by your angelic warriors, O God. Lord, especially we pray for the children We know that Satan wants to grab hold of their hearts as they move from childhood to adulthood. And great grief can come to parents and Satan dances with joy as to what he's done. May he fail in all of these families, God. That in coming years we can rejoice as we see these children as great warriors in the kingdom. So, Lord, we thank you for these men. We thank you for their wives. We thank you for their children. Oh, God, you have truly blessed us. And we bless their families in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Where's Bill? You want to-
1: Hadn't been a wonderful, wonderful morning. 22 years ago in November was the last time we ordained new elders here at TCF. November 1996. And so we are delighted that God has brought us to this space, to this time, to uh, begin a new chapter in the life of TCF. And as Jim noted, it's a very sober moment, but I gotta tell you, I'm excited, folks. I'm excited about this. I'm excited about what God's going to do with these new brothers. Amen. Being the last Sunday of the month, we're going to receive a benevolence offering. There'll be a basket down here. You can leave cash or a check in there to fund our benevolence fund. Uh, Also, we're going to have our potluck. And it's not just any old potluck this time. It's kind of a celebration meal that we can share together as a church family So we're going to pray for that meal. When you go on back, just go on through the line, and uh, you don't need to wait because you can consider your food pre-blessed when we go. Okay, so stand with me if you would.